Hello and welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Now that we've completed Shakespeare and Chekhov's canons, our troupe of professional and amateur theater lovers together is taking on great works across mediums. So from Aaron Sorkin to indie playwrights, Valentine's rom-coms, French classics, Greek tragedies, so much more. We've got everything coming up for you. So Shaw, Stoppard, Moliere, Efron, and so much more coming down the pike. So for you to enjoy in audio form here on our podcast feed, or if you want to catch all of our costumes, props, effects, and unplanned pet appearances, um, all of our readings are also available on our YouTube channel. Just search My Entertainment World and you'll see it there. Um, please keep in mind that these are genuinely cold readings. We're publishing unedited, so bear with us through some stumbles, tangents, and of course, every time someone's accidentally on mute. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes people don't show up. You just got to bear with us. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of our content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or on our podcast feed where you'll find episodes of all our favorite ongoing series, including this one, of course, as well as the Shakespeare series, the favorite series, Corona Movie Club, exclusive interviews, as well as our annual MLB roundtable discussion, which is my very favorite thing we do. So follow us on social media at MyEntWorld, my E-N-T world. Um, and of course, check out the website, MyEntertainmentWorld.ca, where you can find all of the above, as well as reviews, editorials, artist spotlights, and so much more. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. For the finale of our Shakespeare reboot season, we revisited Twelfth Night, um, which is maybe the most popular of Shakespeare's plays. Not the most famous, but certainly it's very hard to find somebody who doesn't like Twelfth Night. It's it's a really wonderful play. Um, I, I particularly like it because I think its blend of drama and comedy is, is really second to none. It's got one of the strongest subplots, um, especially I, I find it very compelling when you play the subplot as a tragedy. Um, I actually think this is a really a pretty dark, sad play masked in comedy. And I think there's something really complex and interesting in that dynamic. Um, so it was really fun to return to Twelfth Night. Such a wonderful play. Um, our Viola here was Laura Hubbard, um, who Viola is very close to her heart. And she's such a, a wonderful leading lady. Um, so it was great over the course of Corona Cold Reads to see her really grow into someone who, I, when we revisited Twelfth Night, I was like, absolutely first choice Laura Hubbard for Viola. Um, Sean Wilson returns as our Sir Toby Belt. I told you he'd be go a going concern. And we paired him with Gabby Grice as Mariah, who, like, that is the most definitive Gabby, Gabby Grice role. She's so sassy and fun and, and comes up with all these cool plans. And she's just like the life of the party. Um, one of my favorite pieces of casting in this one was I cast Christopher Prentice as Sir Andrew. I think that there's, this was like the piece of casting I was bullish on. Like I was not going to let anyone talk me out of it. I don't know why. I just, I thought it'd be really funny. There's, there's a, a quality of Sir Andrew that I think is really fun when played by someone with like serious gravitas. Um, and, and there's a sort of deep under all of the technique and everything else there's there's a lovely vulnerability to chris um and i think that uh he really brought that to andrew in a way that makes him more than just the goof in the room he's really um sort of sympathetic character in certain ways but then if you understand the 
sort of ways in which he's absurd. Uh, he's, he, it was a really, it's a really fun performance. And I don't know why I just, it stuck in my head as that is a casting that had to happen. And I was very happy to see it happen because it was really fun. Um, Miriam Bachman was our fest. She was lovely. She's so wise in an offbeat way, which was great. Uh, Lauren Hereda played Olivia, which brought great gravitas to a role that is like, can definitely go either way. I think as written, she's very complex and grounded and serious. And that's kind of where the humor comes from. Uh, but people often play her as silly and I hate that. So casting one of the, um, best actresses I've ever met, um, who also takes all of the women that she's cast as very seriously, I think was a very important part of this. Um, speaking of taking yourself too seriously, uh, Malvolio, who is of course the heart of the piece, uh, Jessica G. Smith was with us at the time and she is a very serious actress who, who she really, the, the concept of cold reads was really interesting with Jessica because she's such a preparer. I mean, she really shows up and she's really gung ho and she's just, she's like hardcore. Uh, so it was really fun to see that manifest itself in Malvolio. I feel like I'm saying this way more often than I should, but you should check this one out on, on YouTube because she does some really fun things with the visuals of Malvolio's humiliation. Um, so, cause she was again, more prepared than your standard court on a cold reader. So highly suggest that. Um, similarly, this one was a really fun one to cast because I, I got to really tap into sort of who, who my people are in a, in a deep down way. And so, uh, Tori Urquhart as Antonio was something that was also very important to me because she's got, She's just like the most loyal, fierce person. Like she just kind of is Antonio in certain ways. Like she will absolutely like give you her entire purse because you're new in town and you need it more than her. And she'll go into town to find you, even though she might be captured on charges of pirating. Like she's just, she's got so much show up and she'll fight for others. And she's... I don't know. She's just Antonio, okay? And Antonio's wonderful and um, a very underrated character. And I, I really like, if you cast it perfectly, that character becomes so much bigger than he is on paper in terms of word count. So that was really fun. Um, it was great to see her play that and, and match up with Fabiana Cabral's Sebastian, who was so lovely. And uh, yeah, I think that's sort of all there really is to prep you on for this Twelfth Night. It was a really fun, fun thing to revisit. And I had a, a blast casting it, obviously. So I hope you enjoy it. So here we are for the Twelfth Night reboot uh, through the glorious Corona Cold Reads and with a glorious new cast, um, starting not so gloriously with myself, Nicanor Campos, reading the stage directions. Very glad to do so. Very glad to be able to watch all of these fine players play tonight. And Duke Orsino will be played by Mr. John Taylor Phillips. Good evening, sir. Uh, Curio by Sia Floyd. Hello. Valentine by Nicole Falgu. Hello. Viola by Laura Hubbard. Hello. The Captain by Shailen Bass McFall. Hello. Sit, Toby Belch. I assume that's a uh, directive. That is an imperative. Sir Toby Belch, uh, Sean Wilson. Hello. Sir. Mariah, Gabby Grice. Yo. Yo. Sir Andrew Aguface, Christopher Prentice. Hello. 
Uh, the clown, otherwise known as Feste, Miriam Bachman. Hello. Olivia, Lauren Hereda. Hello. Malvolio, Grace Smith. Hello. Hello. Antonio, Tori Urquhart. Hey. Sebastian, Fabiana Cabral. Hello. Hello. Servit, Susan Bond. Hello. Hello. First officer, Melissa Wright. Hello. Second officer, Mark Crater. Hi. Hi. And priest, Mr. Weldon Gorey. Sorry. <laughs> so buckle up, boys and girls. Here we go. Twelfth Night, or What You Will, by William Shakespeare. Act One, Scene One, Duke Orsino's Palace. Enter Duke Orsino, Curio, and other lords, musicians attending. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. Uh, that strain again? It had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving odor. Enough. No more. Tis not so sweet now as it was before. Oh, spirit of love, how quick and fresh art thou that, notwithstanding thy capacity, receiveth as the sea, not enters there of what validity and pitch soever but falls into abatement and low price, even in a minute. So full of shapes is fancy that it alone is high fantastical. Will you go hunt, my lord? What, Curia? The heart. Why, so I do. The noblest that I have. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. That instant was I turned into a heart, and my desires, like fell and cruel hounds, ere since pursue me. How now? What news from her? Enter, Valentine. So please, my lord, I might not be admitted, but from her handmaid do I return this answer. The element itself, till seven years heat, shall not behold her face at ample view, but like a cloistress, she will veiled walk and water once a day, her bedchamber round with eye-offending brine, all this to season a brother's dead love, which she would keep fresh and lasting in her sad remembrance. Oh, she that hath a heart of that fine frame to pay this debt of love but to a brother. How will she love when the rich golden shaft hath killed the flock of all affections else that live in her, when liver, brain, and heart, these sovereign thrones, are all supplied and filled her sweet perfections with one self-king? Away before me to sweet beds of flowers, love thoughts lie rich when canopied with bowers. Exunt. Scene two, the seacoast. Enter Viola. The captain and sailors. What country, friends, is this? This is Illyria, lady. 
And what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. Perchance he is not drowned. What think you, sailors? It is perchance that you yourself are saved. My poor brother. And so perchance may he be. True, madam. And to comfort you with chance, assure yourself. After our ship did split, when you and those poor numbers saved with you, hung on our driving boat, I saw your brother, most provident in peril, bind himself courage and hope, both teaching him the practice to a strong mast that lived upon the sea. Where, like Arian on the dolphin's back, I saw him hold acquaintance with the waves so long as I could see. For saying so, there's gold. Mine own escape enfoldeth to my hope, whereto thy speech serves for authority the like of him. Knowest thou this country? Aye, madam, for I was bred and born not three hours from this very place. Who governs here? A noble duke, in nature and in name. What is the name? Orsino. Orsino. I've heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very late. For but a month ago I went from hence, and then twas fresh in murmur, as you know, what great ones do the less will prattle of, that he did seek the love of fair Olivia. What's she? A virtuous maid. The daughter of a count that died some twelve months since, and leaving her in the protection of his son, her brother, who shortly also died, for whose dear love they say she hath abjured the company in sight of men. Oh, that I served that lady. They may not be delivered to the world till I had mine own occasion, Mello, what my estate is. That were hard to compass, because she will admit no kind of suit. No, not the Duke's. There's fair behavior in the captain. And though that nature with a beauteous wall doth oft close in pollution, yet of thee I will believe thou hast a mind that suits with this thy fair and outward character. I pray thee, and I'll pay thee bounteously, conceal me what I am, and be my aid, for such disguise as haply shall become the form of my intent. I'll serve this duke. Thou shalt present me as a eunuch to him, it may be worth thy pains, for I can sing and speak to him in many sorts of music that will allow me very worth his service. What else may have to time, I will commit. Only shape thou thy silence to my wit. See you his eunuch, and your mute I'll be. When your tongue, when my tongue blabs, then let mine eyes not see. I thank thee. Lead me on. Exeunt, scene three, Olivia's house. Enter Sir Toby Belch and Mariah. What a plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. I am sure cares an enemy to life. By my troth, Sir Toby, you must come in earlier of nights. Your cousin, my lady, takes great exceptions to your ill hours. Why, let her accept before accepted. I... But you must confine yourself within the modest limits of order. Confine? I'll confine myself no finer than I am. These clothes are good enough to drink in, and, and so be these boots too. And they be not, let them hang themselves in their own straps. 
that quaffing and drinking will undo you. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday. And of a foolish knight that you brought in one night here to be her wooer? Who? Sir Andrew Aguecheek? I, He. He's as tall as a man as any's in Illyria. Uh... What's that to the purpose? He has 3,000 ducats a year. Aye, but he'll have but a year in all these ducats. He's a very fool and a prodigal. Aye. Did did you say so? He he plays the vile de Gamboys and speaks three or four languages, word for word, without book, and hath all the good gifts of nature. He hath indeed, almost natural. For besides that he's a fool, he's a great quarreler, and but that he hath the gift of a coward to allay the gust he hath in quarreling, tis thought among the prudent he would quickly have the gift of a grave. By this hand, they are scoundrels and subtractors that say so of him. Who are they? They that add, moreover, he's drunk nightly in your company. With drinking healths to my niece. I'll drink to her as long as there is passage in my throat and drink in Illyria. He's a coward and a coistrel that will not drink to my niece till his brains turn to the toe like a parish top. What, wench? Castiliano Vulgo, for here comes Sir Andrew a you face. Enter Sir Andrew. Sir Toby Belch. How now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew. Bless you, fair shrew. And you too, sir. A cost, Sir Andrew, a cost. What's that? My niece's chambermaid. Good mistress, a cost. I desire better acquaintance. My name is Mary, sir. Good mistress Mary, a cost. I desire. Night. A cost is front her, board her, woo her, assail her. Oh, by my troth, I would not undertake her in this company. Is that the meaning of a cost? Fare you well, gentlemen. And, and let thou, and thou let part so, Sir Andrew, would thou might never draw sword again. And you part so, mistress, I would, I might never draw sword again. Fair lady... Do you think you have fools in hand? Well, sir, I have not you by the hand. Mary, but you shall have. And here's my hand. Now, sir, thought is free. I pray you, bring your hand to the buttery bar and let it drink. Wherefore, sweetheart? What's your metaphor? It's dry, sir. I, I think so. I am not such an ass, but I can keep my hand dry. But what's your jest? A dry jest, sir. Are you full of them? Aye, sir. I have them at my fingers' ends. 
Mary, now I let go your hand. I am barren. Mm-hmm. Exit. Right. Thou lackest a cup of canary. When did I see thee so put down? Well, never in your life, I think. Unless you see canary put me down. <laughs> Methinks sometimes I have no more wit than a Christian or any ordinary man has. But I am a great eater of beef, and I believe that does harm to my wit. No question. And I thought that, I'd forswear it. I'd ride home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Pourquoi, my dear knight? What is pourquoi? Do or not do? I would I have bestowed that time in the tongues that I have in fencing, dancing, and bear-baiting. Oh, had I but followed the arts. And hadst thou had an excellent head of hair. Why? Would that have mended my hair? Past question. For thou seest it will not curl by nature. Well, but it becomes me well enough, does not? Excellent. It hangs like flax on a distaff. And I hope to see a housewife take thee between her legs and spin it off. Faith, I'll home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Your niece will not be seen. Or if she be, it's four to one, shall none of me. The Count himself here hard by woos her. She'll, She'll none of the Count. She'll not match above her degree. Neither in estate, years... Nor wit. I have heard her swear. There's life in it, man. I'll stay a month longer. I am a fellow of the strangest mind of the world. I delight in masks and revels sometimes altogether. Art thou good at these kickshaws, knight? (laughs) As any man in Illyria, whatsoever he be, under the degree of my betters. And yet I will not compare with an old man. Well, what is thy excellence in a, in a galliard, knight? Oh, faith, I can cut a caper. And I can cut the mutton toot. And I think I have the back trick simply as strong as any man in Illyria. Wherefore are these things hid? Wherefore have these gifts like a curtain before them? Are they like to take dust like Mistress Moll's picture? Why dost thou not go to church in a galliard, and come home in a coranto. <laughs> My very walk should be a jig. I would not so much as make water, but in a sink of pace. <laughs> what dost thou mean? Is it a world to hide virtues in? I did think, by the excellent constitution of thy leg, it was formed under the star of a galliard. <laughs> Is strong, and it does indifferent well in a flame-colored stock. Shall we see about some revels? What shall we do else? Were we not born under Taurus? Taurus! That's sides and heart! No, it is legs and thighs! Let me see that caper! (laughs) Higher! Higher! (laughs) Excellent! (laughs) Exunt! Scene four, Duke Orsino's palace. Enter Valentine and Viola in man's attire. If the Duke continue these favors towards you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. 
You either fear his humor or my negligence that you call in question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favors? No, believe me. I thank you. Here comes the Count. Enter Duke Orsino, Curio, and attendants. This saw Cesario, huh? On your attendance, my lord, here. Stand you a while aloof, Cesario. Thou knowst no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access. Stand at her doors and tell them there thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord. If she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, she never will admit me. Be clamorous and leap all civil bounds rather than make unprofited return. Say, I do speak with her, my lord. What then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth than in annuncios of more grave aspect. I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it. For they shall yet belie thy happy years, they that say thou art a man. Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious. Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, and all is similative, a, a woman's part. I know thy consolation is right after this affair. Some four or five attend him, all, if you will, for I myself am best when least in company. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Yet a barful strife, where I woo, myself would be his wife. Exeunt. Scene five, Olivia's house. Enter Mariah and Clown. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my lips so wide as a bristle may enter in way of thy excuse. My lady will hang thee for thy absence. Let her hang me. He that is well hanged in this world needs fear no colors. Make that good. He shall see none to fear. A good Lenten answer. I can tell thee where that saying was born of I fear no colors. Where, good Mistress Mary? In the wars. And that may you be bold to say in your foolery. Well... God give them wisdom that have it, and those that are fools, let them use their talents. Yet you will be hanged for being so long absent, or to be turned away. Is that not as good as a hanging to you? Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. And for journey away, let summer bear it out. You are resolute, then. Not so neither, but I am resolved on two points. That if one break, the other will hold, or if both break, your Gaskins fall. <laughs> apt, in good faith, very apt. Uh, well, go thy way. If Sir Toby would leave drinking, thou wert as witty a piece of Eve's flesh as any in Illyria. Peace, you rogue. No more of that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely. You were best. Exit. Wit, and be thy will, put me into good fooling. Those wits that think they have thee do very oft prove fools, and I, 
that I'm sure I lack thee. May pass for a wise man for what says Winapolis, better a witty fool than a foolish wit. Enter Olivia with Malvolio. God bless thee, lady. Hmm. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. Go to, you're a dry fool. I'll know more of you. Besides, you grow dishonest. Uh, two faults, Madonna, that drink and good counsel will amend. For give the, the dry fool drink. Then is the fool not dry? Bid the dishonest man mend himself. If he mend, he is no longer dishonest. If he cannot, let the botcher mend him. Anything that's mended is but patched. Virtue that transgresses is but patched with sin, and sin that amends is but patched with virtue. If that this simple syllogism will serve, so if it will not, what remedy? As there is no true cuckold but calamity, so beauty is a flower. The lady bid take away the fool, therefore I say again, take her away. Sir, I bade them to take away you. Miss Prisian in the highest degree. Lady Cacostan Fasset Monacum. That's as much to say as I wear not motley in my brain. Good Madonna, give me leave to prove you a fool. Oh, can you do it? A dexterously, good Madonna. Make your proof. I must catechize you for it, Madonna. Good my mouse of virtue, answer me. Well, sir, for want of other idleness, I'll bide your proof. <clears throat> Good Madonna, why mournest thou? Good fool, for my brother's death. I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul is in heaven, fool. The more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Take away the fool, gentlemen. Huh. What think you of this fool, Malvolio? Doth he not mend? Yes, and shall do still the pangs of death shake him. Infirmity that decays the wise doth ever, ever make the better fool. God send you, sir, a speedy infirmity for the better increasing your folly. Sir Toby will be sworn that I am no fox, but he will not pass his word for two pence that you are no fool. <laughs> How say you to that, Malvolio? I marvel your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal. I saw him put down the other day with an ordinary fool that has no more brain than a stone. Look you now, he's out of his guard already. Unless you laugh and minister occasion to him, he is gagged. I protest, I take these wise men that crow so at these set kind of fools no better than the fool's zanies. Oh, you are sick of self-love, Malvolio, and taste with a distempered appetite. To be generous, guiltless, and a free disposition is to take those things for bird bolts that you deem cannon bullets. There is no slander in an allowed fool, though he do do nothing but rail, nor no railing in a known discreet man, though he do nothing but reprove. Now Mercury adieu thee with leasing, for thou speakest well of fools. Re-enter Mariah. Adam. There is at the gate a young gentleman much desires to speak with you. Hmm. From Count Orsino, is it? I know not, madam. Tis a fair young hmm. man and well attended. Who of my people hold him in delay? Sir Toby, madam, 
your kinsman. Oh, fetch him off, I pray you. He speaks nothing but madmen. Fie on him. Go you, Malvolio. If it be a suit from the Count, I am sick or not at home. What you will to dismiss it. Now you see, sir, how your fooling grows old and many people dislike it. Thou hast spoke for us, Madonna, as if thy eldest son should be a fool, whose skull Jove cram with brains for. Here he comes. One of thy kin has a most weak pia matter. Enter Sir Toby Belch. By mine honor, half drunk. What is he at the gate, cousin? A gentleman. Oh, a gentleman? What gentleman? Uh, Tis a gentleman here. Pickle herring. How now, sot? Good Sir Toby. Cousin, cousin. How have you come by so early by this lethargy? Lechery? I defy lechery. Uh, there's one at the gate. Aye, Mary, what is he? Let him be the devil, and he will. Uh, I care not. Give me faith, say I. Uh, well, it's, it's all one. What's a drunken man like, fool? Like a drowned man, a fool and a madman. One draft above heat makes him a fool, the second mads him, and the third drowns him. <laughs> Go thou and seek the kroner and let him sit up, oh my cuz, for he's in the third degree of drink. He's drowned. Go look after him. He is but mad yet, Madonna. And the fool shall look to the madman. Exit. Re-enter Malvolio. Madam, yon young fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much and therefore comes to speak with you. I told him you were asleep. He seems to have a foreknowledge of that too and therefore comes to speak with you. What is to be said against him, my lady? He is fortified against any denial. Tell him he shall not speak with me. Has been told so. And he says he'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post and be the supporter to a bench, but he'll speak with you. What kind of man is he? Why, of mankind. What manner of man? A very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you or no? Of what personage and years is he? Not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy, as a squash is before tis a peas cod or a cooling when tis almost an apple. Is with him in standing water between boy and man. He is he is very well favored, and he speaks very shrewishly. One would think his mother's milk was scarce out of him. Let him approach. Call in my gentlewomen. Gentlewoman, my lady calls. Exit. Re-enter Mariah. 
give me my veil. Come, throw it on my face. We'll once more hear of Orsino's embassy. Enter Viola and attendants. The Honorable Lady of the House, which is she? Speak which... to me, I shall answer for her. Your will? Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty. I pray you tell me if this be the Lady of the House, for I never saw her. I would be loath to cast away my speech, for besides that it is excellent well-penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Good beauties, let me sustain no scorn. I am very comfortable even to the least sinister usage. Whence came you, sir? I can say little more than I have studied, and that question's out of my part. Good, gentle one. Give me modest assurance, if you be the lady of the house, that I may proceed in my speech. Are you a comedian? No, my profound heart, and yet, by the very fangs of malice, I swear I am not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself? I am. Most certain, if you are she, you do usurp yourself, for what is yours to bestow is not yours to reserve, but this for my commission. I will on with my speech in your praise, and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what's important in it. I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it, and tis poetical. It is the more like to be feigned. I pray you, keep it in. I heard. You were saucy at my gates and allowed your approach rather to wonder at you than to hear you. <laughs> if you be not mad, be gone. If you have reason, be brief. Tis not that time of moon with me to make one so in skipping a dialogue. I will not hoist my sail, good swabber. I am to hold here a little longer. Some mollification for your giant, sweet lady. Tell me your mind, I am a messenger. Sure, you have some hideous matter to deliver when the courtesy of it is so fearful. Speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. I bring no overture of war, no taxation of homage. I hold the olive in my hand. My words are as fun of peace as matter. Yet you began rudely. What are you? What would you? The rudeness that hath appeared in me have I have learned from my entertainment. What I am and what I would are as secret as maidenhead. To your ears, divinity. To others, profanation. Hmm. Give us the place alone. We will hear this divinity. Exeunt Mariah and attendance. Now, sir, what is your text? Most sweet lady. A comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. Where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. In his bosom? In what chapter of his bosom? 
To answer by the method in the first of his heart. Oh, I've read it. Yeah, it is hearsay. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? You are now out of your text, but we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. Look you, sir, is it not well done? Such a one I was at this present. It's not well done, sir. Excellently done. If God did all. Tis in grain, sir. Twill wind and weather. Tis beauty truly blunt, whose red and white nature's own sweet and cunning hand laid on. Lady, you are the cruelest she alive. If you lead these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. Oh, sir, I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give out divers schedules of my beauty. It shall be inventoried at every particle and utensil labeled to my will as item. Two lips indifferent, red, item. Two gray eyes with lids to them, item. One neck, one chin, and so forth. Were you sent hither to praise me? I see you what you are. You are too proud. But if you were the devil, you are fair. My lord and master loves you. Oh, such love could be but recompense, though you were crowned the nonpareil of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, fertile tears, with groans that thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. Yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, of great estate, of fresh and stainless youth, in voices well divulged, free, learned, and valiant, and in dimension and in the shape of nature, a gracious person. But yet I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame, with such a suffering, such a deadly life in your denial, I would find no sense. I would not understand it. Why? What would you? Pick me a willow cabin at your gate and call upon my soul within the house. Write royal cantons of condemned love and sing them loud in the dead of night. Hello your name to the reverberate hills and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, oh, Olivia. You should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state as well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him, let him send no more, unless perchance you come to me again <laughs> to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well, I thank you for your pains. Spend this for me. I am no feed post, lady. Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Love make his heart a flint that you shall love, and let your fervor like my master's be placed in contempt. Farewell, fair cruelty. Exit. 
What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. I'll be sworn thou art. Thy tongue, thy face, thy limbs, actions, and spirits do give thee five-fold blazon, not too fast. Soft. Ooh, soft. Unless the master were the man. How oh, now? Even so quickly may one catch the plague? Methinks I feel this youth's perfections with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Ooh, well, let it be. What ho, Malvolio? We enter, Malvolio. Here, madam, at your service. Run after that same peevish messenger, the, the country's man. He, he, he left this ring behind him. Would I or not tell him all none of it? Desire him not, flatter him with his lord, nor, nor, nor hold him up high in hopes. I, I am not for him. That, that if the youth come by this way tomorrow, I'll give him reasons for it. Hi, thief, Malvolio, cool. Madam, I, I will. Exit. Oh, I do not know what. I do know. I do I know not what and fear to find mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate, show thy force, ourselves we do not owe. What is decreed must be, and be this so. Exit. Act two, scene one, the seacoast. Enter Antonio and Sebastian. <laughs> will you stay no longer, nor will you not that I go with you? By your patience, no. My stars shine darkly over me. The malignancy of my fate might perhaps distemper yours. Therefore, I shall crave of you your leave that I may bear my evils alone. It were a bad recompense for your love to lay any of them on you. Let me know of you whither you are bound. No, sooth, sir. My determinate voyage is mere extravagancy. But I perceive in you so excellent a touch of modesty that you will not extort from me what I am willing to keep in. Therefore, it charges me in manners the rather to express myself. You must know of me then, Antonio. My name is Sebastian, which I called Rodrigo. My father was that Sebastian of Messaline, whom I know you have heard of. He left behind him myself and a sister, both born in an hour. If the heavens had been pleased, would we had so ended. But you, sir, altered that for some hour before you took me from the breach of the sea was my sister drowned. Alas, the day. Uh, a lady, sir, though it was said she much resembled me, was yet of many accounted beautiful. But though I could not with such estimable wonder over far believe that, yes, thus far I will boldly publish her. She bore a mind that envy could not but call fair. She's drowned already, sir, with salt water, though I seem to drown her remembrance again with more. Pardon me, sir, your bad entertainment. Good Antonio, forgive me your trouble. If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. If you will not undo what you have done, that is, kill him whom you have recovered, desire it not. Fare you well at once. 
My bosom is full of kindness, and I am yet so near the manners of my mother that upon the least occasion more mine eyes will tell tales of me. I am bound to the Count Orsino's court. Farewell. Exit. The gentleness of all the gods go with thee. I have many enemies in Orsino's court, else would I very shortly see thee there. But come what may, I do adore thee so that danger shall seem sport, and I will go. Exit. Scene two, the street. Enter Viola. Malvolio following. We're not you even now with the Countess Olivia. Even now, sir, on a moderate pace, I have since arrived but hither. She returns this ring to you, sir. You might have saved me my pains to have taken it away yourself. She adds, moreover, that you should put your lord into a desperate assurance. She will none of him. And one thing more, that you'd be never so hardy to come again in his affairs. Unless it be to report your lord's taking of this. Receive us up. Uh, she took the ring of me. I'll none of it. Come, sir. You peevishly threw it to her, and her will is it should be so returned. If it be worth stooping for, there it lies in your eye. If not, be it his that finds it. Exit. I left no ring with her. What means this lady? Fortune forbid my outside have not charmed her. <laughs> oh, oh, she made good view of me, indeed, so much that sure me thought her eyes had lost her tongue, for she did speak in starts distractedly. She loves me. Sure, the cunning of her passion invites me in this churlish messenger. None of my lord's ring. My. He sent her none. I am the man. If it be so, as tis for lady. <laughs> she were better love a dream. Oh, disguise, I see thou art a wickedness, wherein the pregnant enemy does much. How easy is it for the proper false in women's waxen hearts? to set their forms. Alas, our frailty is the cause, not me, not we. For such as we are made of, such we be. How will this badge? Oh, my master loves her dearly, and I poor monster found as much on him. She mistaken seems to dote on me. What will become of this? <laughs> As I am man, my state is desperate for my master's love, and as I am woman, how last the day what thriftless sighs shall poor Olivia breathe? Oh, time, thou must untangle this, not I. It is too hard a knot for me to untie. Exit. Scene three, Olivia's house. Enter Sir Toby Belch and Sir Andrew. Approach, Sir Andrew. Not to be abed after midnight, 
is to be up betimes. And Deluculo surgery, thou knowest. Nay, by my troth, I know not. But I know to be up late is to be up late. A false conclusion. I hate it as, as an unfilled can. To be up after midnight and to go to bed then is early. So that to go to bed after midnight is to go to bed betimes. Does not our life consist of the four elements? Hey, so they say. But I think it rather consists of eating and drinking. Thou art a scholar. Let us therefore eat <laughs> and drink. Uh, Marion, I say, a stoop of wine. Enter clown. Here comes the fool of faith. How now, my hearts? Did you never see the picture of we three? Welcome, ass. Now let's let's have a catch. Uh, by my troth, the fool has an excellent breast. I had rather than forty shillings, I had such a leg and so sweet a breath to sing as the fool has. In sooth, thou wast in very gracious fooling last night. When thou spokest of pigrogrammitus of the Vapians passing the equinautical of Cubus, <laughs> twas very good, of faith. I sent thee sixpence for thy leman. Hadst it? I did impetacos thy gratility, for Malvolio's nose is no whipstock. My lady has a white hand, and the Myrmidons are no bottle ale houses. <laughs> Excellent! Why, this is the best fooling when all is done. Now, a song! Come on. Here. There's uh, sixpence for you. Let's have a song! There's a testrel of me, too, if one night give us... Um... Would you have a love song or a song of good life? Ooh. A love song! A love song! I, 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 I care not for good life. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay here, your true love's coming back. Can sing both high and low. Trip no further, pretty sweeting. Journeys end in lovers meeting. Every wise man's son doth know. Excellent, faith! Oh, good! What is loved is not hereafter, present mirth hath present laughter, what's to come is still unsure. In delay there lies no plenty, then come kiss me sweet, and twenty youths the stuff will not endure. <laughs> a mellifluous voice, as I am a true knight. A contagious breath. Oh, very sweet and contagious, Sifaith. To hear by the nose, it is dulcet in contagion. But shall we make... The welkin dance, indeed? Shall we rouse the night owl in a catch that will draw three souls out of one weaver? And you love me, let's do, do it. Do if you, I, I'm a dog at a catch. <laughs> By your lady, sir, and some dogs will catch well. Oh, most certain. Let our catch be, thou knave. Hold thy peace, thou knave. Knight, I shall be constrained in it to call thee knave, knight. Tis not the first time I have been constrained, one, to call me knave. <laughs> Begin, fool. It begins, hold thy peace. 
I shall never begin if I hold my peace. Good, Efez. Come, begin. Catch song, enter Mariah. What a caterwauling do you keep here? If my lady have not called upon her steward Malvolio and bid him turn you out of doors, never trust me. My ladies, Tyan, we, we are politicians. Malvolio is a pegaramsey and three merry men be we. <laughs> and that I can consanguineous? Am I not of her blood? Tilly Valley lady? There dwelt a man in Babylon, lady, lady. Through me, the knight's an admirable fooling. Aye, he does well enough if he be disposed. And so do I, too. He does it with a better grace, but I do it more natural. Oh, the twelfth day of December. For oh, the love of God. My masters, are you mad? Or what are you? Have ye no wit, manners, nor honesty, but to gabble like tinkers at this time of night? Do ye make an alehouse of my lady's house that ye squeak out your conjures, catches, without any mitigation or remorse of voice? Is there no respect of place, persons, nor time in you? We did keep time, sir. <laughs> in our catches. <laughs> Snack up! Sir Toby, I must be round with you. My lady bade me tell you that though she harbors you as her kinsman, she's nothing allied to your disorders. If you can separate yourself in your misdemeanors, you are welcome to the house. If not and it would please you to take leave of her, she is very willing to bid you farewell. Farewell, dear heart, since I must needs be gone. Nay, good Sir Toby. His eyes do show his days are almost done. Missed in so. But I will never die. <laughs> Sir Toby, there you lie. This is much credit to you. Shall I bid him go? What, and if you do... Shall I bid him go and spare not? Oh, no, 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 you dare not. Uh, out of tune, sir, ye lie. Art any more than a steward? Dost thou think, because thou art virtuous, there shall be no more cakes and ale? Yes, by St. Anne, and Ginger shall be hot the mouth too. Thou'rt in the right. Go, sir. Rub your chain with crumbs. <laughs> A stoop of wine, Maria! Mistress Mary, if you prized my lady's favor at anything more than contempt, you would not give means for this uncivil rule. She shall know of it by this hand. Exit. Go shake your ears. For as good a deed is to drink when a man's a hungry, to challenge him in the field, and then to break promise with him and make a fool of him. Do it, knight. I'll write thee a challenge, or I'll deliver thy indignation to him by word of mouth. Sweet, Sir Toby. 
be patient for tonight. Since the youth of the Count was today with thy lady, she is much out of quiet. For Monsieur Malvolio, let me alone with him. If I do not gull him into a nay word and make him a common recreation, do not think I have wit enough to lie straight in my bed. I know I can do it. Possess us! Possess us! Tell us something of him! Mary, sir. Sometimes he can be kind of a Puritan? Ugh! If I thought that, I'd beat him like a dog. What? For being a Puritan? My exquisite reason, dear knight? I have no exquisite reason for it. But I have reason good enough. The devil, a Puritan that he is, or anything constantly, but a time-pleaser. An affectioned ass that cons state without book and utters it by great swords. The best persuaded of himself, so crammed as he thinks with excellencies, that it is his grounds of faith that all who look on him love him. And on that vice in him will my revenge find notable cause to work. What wilt thou do? I will drop in his way some obscure epistles of love, wherein by the color of his beard, the shape of his leg, the manner of his gait, the expression of his eye, forehead, and complexion, he shall find himself most feelingly personated. I can write very like my lady, your niece. On a forgotten matter, we can hardly make distinction of our hands. Excellent. I smell a device. <laughs> I have it in my nose, too. You think by the letters that thou will drop that they come from my niece and that <gasps> she's in love with him. <laughs> my purpose is indeed a horse of that color. And your horse now would make him an ass. Ass, I doubt not. Ah, will be admirable. Sport royal, I warrant you. I know my physic will work with him. I will plant you two and let the fool make a third where he shall find the letter. Observe his construction of it. For this night to bed and dream on the event. Farewell. Exit. Good night, Penthesilia. For me, she's a good wench. <sighs> she's a beagle. Truebred. And one that adores me. <laughs> what of that? I was adored once, too. It's a bad night. <clears throat> Thou hadst need send for more money. If I cannot recover your niece, I am a foul way out. Send for money, knight. If thou hast her not in the end, call me cut. If I do not, never trust me. Take it how you will. Come, come. I'll go burn some sack. Just too late to go to bed now. Come, night, come, night. Excellent. 
Scene four, Duke Orsino's palace. Enter Duke Orsino, Viola, Curio, and others. Give me some music. Now, good morrow, friends. Uh, now, good Cesario, but that piece of song, that old and antique song we heard last night, methought it did relieve my passion much, more than light airs and recollected terms of these most brisk and giddy-paced times. Come, but one verse. He is not here, so please, your lordship, that should sing it. Was it? Feste, the jester, my lord. A fool that the Lady Olivia's father took much delight in. He is about the house. Stick him out and uh, uh, play the tune the while. Exit, Curio. Music plays. Come hither, boy. If ever thou shalt love, in the sweet pangs of it, remember me. For such as I am, all true lovers are, unstayed and skittish in all motions else, save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. How does that like this tune? It gives a fairy echo to the seat where love is throned. How to speak masterly. My life upon young though thou art, thine eye hath stayed upon some favor that it loves. Hath it not, boy? A little, by your favor. Oh. What kind of womanist? Of your complexion. Well, she is not worthy then. What years of faith? About your years, my lord. Too old, by heaven. Let still the woman take an elder than herself. So wear she to him, so sway she level in her husband's heart. For boy, however we do praise ourselves, our fancies are more giddy and unfirm, more longing, wavering, sooner lost and worn than women's are. I think it well, my lord. Now, then let thy love be younger than thyself, or thy affection cannot hold the bent. For women are as roses, whose fair flower being once displayed doth fall that very hour. And so they are. Alas, that they are so to die, even when they to perfection grow. Re-enter Curio and town. Oh, fellow! Come, the song we had last night. Mark it, Cesario, it is old and plain. The spinsters and the knitters in the sun and the free maids that weave their thread with bones do use to chant it. It is silly, sooth, and dallies with the innocence of love, like the old age. Are you ready, sir? Aye, pretty, sing. Thank you. 
theirs for thy pains. No pains, sir. I take pleasure in singing, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll pay thy pleasure then. Truly, sir. And pleasure will be paid one time or another. Give me now leave to leave thee. And now the melancholy God protect thee, and the tailor make thy doublet of changeable taffeta, for thy mind is a very opal. I would have men of such constancy put to sea that their business might be everything and their intent everywhere. For that's it, oh, that always makes a good voyage of nothing. Farewell. Exit. Let all the rest give place. Cesario in attendance, retire. Once more, Cesario, get thee to yon same sovereign cruelty. Tell her my love, more noble than the world, prizes not quantity of dirty lands. The parts that fortune hath bestowed upon her, tell her I hold as giddily as fortune. But tis that miracle and queen of gems that nature pranks her in attracts my soul. But if she cannot love you, sir. I, I, I cannot be so answered. Sooth, but you must. Say that some ladies, perhaps there is, hath, for your love, a greater pang of heart as you have for Olivia, and you cannot love her, you tell her so. Must she not then be answered? No, there, there is no woman's sides can buy the beating of so strong a passion as love doth give my heart. No woman's heart so big to hold so much. They lack retention. Alas. Their love may be called appetite, no motion of the liver, but the palate that suffer surfeit, cloyment, and revolt. But mine is all as hungry as the sea and can digest as much. Make no compare between that love a woman can bear me and that I owe Olivia. Aye, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well. What love women to men may owe. In faith, they are as true of heart as we, my father, had a daughter loved a man. As it may be, perhaps, were, were I a woman, I should your lordship. And what's her history? A blank, my lord. She never told her love, but let concealment, like a worm in the bud, feed on her damask cheek. She pined in thought, and with the green and yellow melancholy, she sat like Patience on a monument, smiling at grief. Was not this love indeed? Any men may say more, swear more, but indeed our shows are more than well. For still we prove much in our vows, but little in our love. Have died thy sister of her love, my boy? I am all the daughters of my father's house. And all the brothers, too. Yet I know not. Sir, shall I to this lady? Aye. That's the theme. To her in haste, give her this jewel. Say, my love can give no place. Bide no denay. Scene five, Olivia's garden. 
Enter Sir Toby Belch, Sir Andrew, and Fabio. Come thy ways, Signor Fabian. Nay, I'll come. If I lose a scruple of this sport, let me be boiled to death with melancholy. Wouldst thou not be glad to have that rascally sheep-biter come by some notable shame? Oh, I would exalt, man. You know, he brought me out a favor with my lady about a bear-baiting here. To anger him, we'll have the bear again. And we will fool him black and blue. Shall we not, Sir Andrew? And and we do not at his pity of our lives. Here comes the little villain. Enter Mariah. How now, my metal of India? Get ye all three into the box tree. Malvolio's coming down this walk. He has been yonder in the sun practicing his behavior to his own shadow this half hour. Observe him. For the love of mockery. For I know this letter will make him a contemplative idiot. (laughs) Will make a contemplative idiot of him. Oh, I'm so excited. Close, in the name of jesting. Lie thou there. Throw down a letter. For here comes the trout that must be caught with tickling. Exit. Enter Malvolio. Tis but fortune. All is fortune. Mariah once told me she did affect me, and I have heard herself come thus near, that should she fancy it should be one of my complexion. Besides, she uses me with a more exalted respect than anyone else that follows her. What shall I think on? There's an overweening rogue. Oh, peace. Contemplation makes a rare turkey cock of him. How he jets under his advanced plumes. Slight. I could so beat the rogue. Peace, I say. To be Count Malvolio. Ah, rogue! Pistol him! Pistol him! Peace! Peace! There is an example for it. The lady of the stray. She married the yeoman of the wardrobe. Oh, fie on him, Jezebel! Oh, peace! Now he's deeply in. Look how imagination blows him. Having been three months married to her, sitting in my state. Oh, for a stone bow to to hit him in the eye. Calling my officers about me in my branched velvet gown, having come from a day bed where I have left Olivia sleeping brimstone! Oh, peace, peace. And then to have the humor of state, and after a demure travel of regard, telling them I know my place, as I would they should know theirs, to call for my kinsman Toby. Cloaks and shackles! Oh, peace, peace, peace. Now, now. Seven of my people, with an obedient start, make out for him. I around the while, and perchance wind up watch or play with some rich jewel. Toby approaches, courtesies there to me. Shall this fellow live? Though our silence be drawn from us with cars, yet peace. I extend my hand to him 
thus quenching my familiar smile with an austere regard of control. And does not Toby take you a blow of the lips then? Saying, cousin Toby, my fortunes having cast me upon your niece, give me this prerogative of speech. What? What? You must amend your drunkenness. Scab! Nay, patience, or we break the sinews of our plot. Besides, you waste the treasure of your time with a foolish knight. That's me, I warrant you. One Sir Andrew. I knew it was. <laughs> For many do call me fool. What employment have we here? Picking up the letter. Well, now is the woodcock near the gin. Oh! Spirit of humor, intimate reading aloud to him. By my life, this is my lady's hand. These be her very C's, her U's, and her T's, and thus makes she her great P's. It is in contempt of question. Her hand. Her C's, her U's, and her T's. Why that? To the unknown beloved, this and my good wishes, her very phrases. By your leave wax, soft, soft. And the impression of her Lucrece, which, with which she uses to seal. Tis my lady, to whom should this be? This wins him, liver and all. Jove knows I love, but who? Lips do not move. No man must know what man, no man must know what follows. The, the numbers alter. No man must know if this should be thee, Malvolio. Mary, hang thee, Brock. I may command where I adore, but silence like a Lucrece knife. With bloodless stroke my heart doth gore, M-O-A-I doth sway my life. A Fustian riddle. Excellent wench, say I. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. Nay, but first, let me see, let me see, let me see. What Uh, dish of poison has she dressed him? And with what wing the staniel checks at it? I may command where I adore. Why, why she may command me. I serve her. She is my lady. Why, this is evident to any formal capacity. There's no obstruction in this. In the end, what should that alphabetical position portend if I could make that resemble something in me softly? M O. A-I. Oh, that, he's now at a cold scent. Oh, Souter will cry pawn for all this, though it be as rank as a fox. Amalbolio. Why, that begins my name. Did I not say he would work it out? The cur <sighs> is excellent at faults. Am. But then there is no constancy in the sequel that suffers under probation. A should follow, but O does. <laughs> and O shall end, I hope. Aye, or I'll cudgel him and make him cry. O! <laughs> and then I comes behind? Aye, and you had any eye behind you, you might see more detraction at your heels than fortunes before you.
M-O-A-I. This simulation is not as the former. And yet to crush this a little, it would bow to me for every one of these letters are in my name. So <sighs> here follows prose. If this fall into thy hand, rev revolve, revolve in, my, in my stars, I am above thee, <gasps> but be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Thy fates open their hands, let thy blood and spirit embrace them, and to inure thyself to what thou art like to be, cast thy humble slough and appear fresh. Be opposite with the kinsmen, surly with servants, let thy tongue tang arguments of state. Put thyself into the trick of singularity. She thus advises thee that sighs for thee. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings and wish to see thee ever cross guard. I say, remember, oh, go to. Thou art, thou art made if thou desirest to be so. If not, let me see thee a steward, still the fellow of servants and not worthy to touch fortune's fingers. Farewell, she that would alter services with thee, the fortunate unhappy. Daylight and champagne discovers not more. This is open. I will be proud. I will read politic authors. I will baffle Sir Toby. I will wash off gross acquaintance. I will be point devise the very man. I do not now fool myself to let imagination jade me for every reason excites to this, that my lady loves me. She did commend my yellow stockings of late. She did praise my leg being cross-guarded. And in this, she manifests herself to my love and with a kind of injunction drives me to these habits of her liking. I thank my stars. I am happy. I will be strange, stout in yellow stockings and cross gartered, even with the swiftness of putting on Jove and my stars be praised. Here's yet a postscript. Uh, thou canst not choose but know who I am. <laughs> if thou entertainest my love, let it appear in thy smiling, thy smiles become thee well. Therefore in my presence still smile, dear my sweet, I pray thee. Jove, I thank thee, I will smile, I will do everything that thou wilt have me. Exit. Oh, I will not give my part of this sport for a pension of thousands to be paid from the Sophie. I could marry this wench with this device. <laughs> so could I, too. And ask no other dowry with her, but such another jest. Not I, neither. Oh, here comes my noble gullcatcher. Re-enter Mariah. Boot, thou set thy foot on my neck. Or mine? Either? Shall, shall I play my freedom at a day trip and, and become thy bond slave? Or, if faith, or I. 
Either. Why, thou hast put him in such a dream that when the image of it leaves him, he must run mad. Nay, but say true. Does it work upon him? Like aqua vitae with a midwife. Ugh. If you will, if you will then see the fruits of the sport, mark his first approach before my lady. He will come to her in yellow stockings, and tis a color she abhors, and cross-gartered, a fashion she detests, and he will smile upon her, which will now be so unsuitable to her disposition, being addicted to a melancholy as she is, that it cannot but turn him into a notable contempt. If you will see it, follow me. To the gates of Tartar, the most excellent devil of wit. I'll make one, two. Exeunt. Act three, scene one, Olivia's garden. Enter Viola and clown with a tabor. Save thee, friend, and thy music. Dost thou live by thy tabor? No, sir. I live by the church. Art thou a churchman? No such matter, sir. I do live by the church. For I do live at my house, and my house doth stand by the church. <laughs> so thou mayst say, the king lies by a beggar. If a beggar dwell near him, or the church stands by thy tabor, if thy tabor stand by the church. You have said, sir, to see this age, a sentence is but a chevril glove to a good wit. How quickly the wrong side may be turned outward. Nay, that's certain. They that dally nicely with words may quickly make them wanton. I would, therefore, my sister had no name, sir. Why, man? Why, sir, her name's a word, and to dally with that word might make my sister wanton. <laughs> but indeed, words are very rascals since bonds disgraced them. Thy reason, man? Troth, sir, I can yield you none without words. And words are grown so false, I am loath to prove reason with them. I warrant thou art a merry fellow and carest for nothing. Not so, sir. I do care for um, something. But in my conscience, sir, I do not care for you. If that be to care for nothing, sir, I would it would make you invisible. Art not thou the Lady Olivia's fool? No, indeed, sir. The Lady Olivia has no folly. She will keep no fool, sir, till she be married. And fools are as like husbands as pilchards are to herrings. The husband's the bigger. I'm indeed not her fool, but her corrupter of words. I saw thee late at Count Orsino's. Foolery, sir. Just walk about the orb like the sun. It shines everywhere. I would be sorry, sir, but the fool should be as off with your masters with my mistress. I think I saw your wisdom there. Nay, and thou pass upon me. I'll no more with thee. Hold. There's expenses for thee. Ow, Jove, in his next commodity of hair, send thee a beard. By my truth, I'll tell thee, I am almost sick for one. I would not have it grow on my chin. Is thy lady within? Would not a pair of these have bread, sir? Yes, being kept together and put to use. I would play Lord Pandarus of Phrygia, sir, 
to bring a Cressida to his Troilus? I understand you, sir. It is well begged. That matter, I hope, is not great begging, but a beggar. Cressida was a beggar. My lady is within, sir. I will construe to them whence you come, who you are and what you would are out of my welkin. I might say element, but the word is overworn. Exit. This fellow was wise enough to play the fool, and to do that well craves a kind of wit. He must observe their moods on whom he jests, the quality of persons and the time, and, like the haggard, check at every feather that comes before his eye. This is a practice as full of labor as a wise man's art, for folly that he wisely shows his fit, but wise men, folly fallen, quite taint their wit. Enter Sir Toby Belch and Sir Andrew. Save you, gentlemen. And you, sir? You vougard, monsieur. Et vous aussi, votre souvenir. I hope so, sir. You are, and I am yours. Will you encounter the house? My niece is desirous you should enter if your trade be to her. I am bound to your niece, sir. I mean, she is the list of my voyage. Taste your legs, sir. Put them to motion. My legs do better understand me, sir, than I understand what you mean by bidding me taste my legs. I mean to to go, sir, to enter. I will answer you with gate and entrance, but we are prevented. Enter Olivia. And Mariah! Most excellent, accomplished lady, the heavens rain odors on you. That youth's a rare courtier. Rain odors? Well. My matter hath no voice to your own most pregnant and vouchsafed ear. Odors? Pregnant and vouchsafed? <laughs> I'll get them all three already. Let the garden door be shut and leave me to my hearing. Exude, Sir Toby Belch, Sir Andrew, and Mariah. Give me your hand, sir. My duty, madam, and most humble service. What is your name? Cesario's your servant's name, fair princess. My servant, sir. Twas never a merry world since lowly feigning was called compliment. Your servant to the Count Orsino, you. And he is yours, and his must needs be yours, and your servant's servant is your servant, madam. For him, I think not on him. For his thoughts, would they were blanks rather than filled with me. Madam, I come to what your gentle thoughts on his behalf. Oh, by your leave, I pray you. I bade you never speak again of him. Would you undertake another suit, that I had rather hear you to solicit that than music from the spheres? Dear lady. Give me leave, beseech you. I did send, after the last enchantment you did hear, a ring in chase of you. So did I abuse myself, my servant, and I fear me. You... Under your hard construction must I sit to force that on you in a shameful cunning, which you knew none of yours. What might you think? Have you not set mine honor at the stake and 
baited it with all the unmuzzled thoughts that a tear in his heart can think. To one of your receiving, enough is shown. A cypress, not a bosom, hideth my heart. So let me hear you speak. I pity you. That's a degree to love. No, not a grise, for tis a vulgar proof that very oft we pity enemies. Why, then, methinks tis time to smile again. Oh, world, how the apt, how apt the poor are to be proud. If one should be a prey, how much the better to fall before the lion than the wolf. Oh, the clock upbraids me with the waste of time. Be not afraid, good youth, I will not have you. And yet, when wit and youth is come to harvest, you were is alike to reap a proper man. There lies your way, due west. Then westward, ho. Grace and good disposition attend your ladyship. Kill nothing, madam, to my lord by me. Stay, I prithee, tell me what thou thinkest of me. That you do think you are not what you are. If I think so, I think the same of you. Then you are right, I am not what I am. I would you were, as I would have you be. Would it be better, madam, than I am? I wish it might, for now I am your fool. Ah, <sighs> what a deal of scorn looks beautiful in the contempt and anger of his lip. A murderous guilt shows not itself more soon than love would soon seem hid. Love's night is noon. Cesario, by the roses of spring, by maidenhood, honor, truth, and everything, I love thee so that Margaret, thy pride, nor wit, nor reason can my passion hide. Do not extort thy reasons from this clause, for that I woo. Thou therefore hast no cause, but rather reason, thus with reason fetter. Love sought is good, but given unsought is better. By innocence, I swear, and by my youth, I have one heart, one bosom, and one truth, and that no woman has, nor never none shall mistress be of it, save I alone. And so adieu, good madam. Nevermore will I my master's tears to you deplore. Yet come again, for thou perhaps mayest move that heart which now abhors to like his love. Exunt. Scene two, Olivia's house. Enter Sir Toby Belch, Sir Andrew, and Fabian. No, Faith, I will not stay a jot longer. Thy reason, dear Venom, give thy reason. You must needs yield your reason, Sir Andrew. Mary, I saw your niece do more favors to the Count's serving man than ever she bestowed upon me. I saw it in the orchard. Did she see thee the while, old boy? Tell me that. As plain as I see you now. This was a great argument of love in her toward you. <laughs> Light, will you make an ass of me? I will prove it legitimate, sir, upon the oaths of judgment and reason. And they have been the grand jurymen since before 
Noah was a sailor. She did show favor to the youth in your sight, only to exasperate you, to awake your dormouse valor, to put fire in your heart and brimstone in your liver. You should then have accosted her, and with some excellent jests, fire new from the mint, you should have banged the youth into dumbness. This was looked for at your hand, and this was balked. The double guilt of this opportunity you let time wash off, and you are now sailed into the north of my lady's opinion, where you will hang like an icicle on a Dutchman's beard, unless you do redeem it by some laudable attempt, either of valor or policy. And be any way it must be with valor. For policy, I hate. I had as lief be a brownist as a politician. Why then? Build me thy fortunes upon the basis of valor. Challenge me the Count's youth to fight with him. Hurt him in eleven places. My niece shall take note of that. And assure thyself there is no love broker in the world can more prevail in man's commendation with woman than report of valor. There is no way but this, Sir Andrew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will either of you bear a challenge to him? Go. Write it in a martial hand. Be cursed and brief. It is no matter how witty, so it be eloquent and fun of invention. Taunt him with the license of ink. If thou thouest him some thrice, it shall not be amiss. And as many lies as will lie in thy sheet of paper, although the sheet were big enough for the bed of where in England, set them down, go up about it. Let there be gall enough in thy ink, though thou write with a goose pen, no matter, about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where shall I find you? We'll call thee at the cubiculo. Go. Uh, exit, Sir mm-hmm. Andrew. Oh, this is a dear mannequin to you, Sir Toby. I have been dear to him, lad. Some 2,000 strong or so. (laughs) We shall have a rare letter from him, but you'll not deliver it. Never trust me then. And by all means, stir on the youth to an answer. I think oxen and wane ropes cannot hail them together. For Andrew, if he were opened, and you find so much blood in his liver as will clog the foot of a flea, I'll eat the rest of the anatomy. Oh, and his opposite, the youth, bears in his visage no great presage of cruelty. Enter Mariah. Look where the youngest wren of nine comes. You desire the spleen, and you will laugh yourself into stitches. Follow me. Yond Gal Malvolio is turned heathen, a very renegado, for there is no Christian that means to be saved by believing rightly can ever believe such impossible passages of grossness. <laughs> He's in yellow stockings! <laughs> and cross guarded? Like a pedant that keeps a school in the church. I have dogged him like his murderer. 
He does obey every point of the letter that I dropped to betray him. He does smile his face into more lines than is in the new map with the augmentation of the Indies. Oh, you have not seen such a thing as tis. I can hardly forbear hurling things at him. I know my lady will strike him. If she do so, he'll smile and take it for a great favor. Come, bring us, bring us where he is. Exunt, scene three, a street, enter Sebastian and Antonio. Come again, Sebastian. Huh. Methinks that uh, my 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 hearing aid's not in. Second. Maybe maybe it's not my hearing aids. It's not. Oh, how about now? Sebastian clears day. Bravo. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I was just saying how much I love you and that, you know, I would not by my will have troubled you, but since you make your pleasure of your pains, I will no further chide you. <laughs> I could not stay behind you. My desire more than sharp file and steel did spur me forth. And not all love to see you, though so much as might have drawn one to a longer voyage, but jealousy, what might befall your travel, being skillless in these parts, which to a stranger, unguided and unfriended, often prove rough and unhospitable. My willing love, the rather by these arguments of fear set forth in your pursuit. My kind Antonio, I can no other answer make but thanks and thanks. And ever oft good turns are shuffled off with uncurrent pay. But were my worth as is my conscience firm, you should find better dealing. What's to do? Shall we go see the relics of this town? Tomorrow, sir. Best first go see your lodging. I'm not weary. And tis long tonight. I pray you, let us satisfy our eyes with the memorials and the things of fame that do renown this city. I would you pardon me. I do not without danger walk these streets. <laughs> Once in a sea fight against the Count, his galleys I did some service. Of such note indeed that were I tain here, it would scarce be answered. Feel like you slew great number of his people? The offense is not of such a bloody nature, albeit the quality of time and quarrel might well have given us a bloody argument. It might have since been answered in repaying what we took from them, which, for traffic's sake, most of our city did. Only myself stood out. 
for which if I be lapsed in this place, I shall pay dear. Do not then walk too open. It does not fit me. Uh, hold, sir. Here's my purse. In the south suburbs at the elephant is best to lodge. I will bespeak our diet whilst you beguile the time and feed your knowledge with viewing of the town. There you shall have me. Why buy your purse? Happily, your I may light upon some toy that you have desired to purchase. And your store, I think, is not for idle markets, sir. <laughs> I'll be your purse bearer and leave you for an hour. To the elephant. I do remember. Exunt. Scene four, Olivia's garden. Enter Olivia, Olivia, Olivia. And Maria, Maria. I have sent after him. He says he'll come. How shall I feast him? What bestow of him? For youth is bought more oft than begged or borrowed. I speak too loud. Where's Malvolio? He is sad and civil and suits well for a servant with my fortunes. Where is Malvolio? He's coming, madam. But in a very strange manner, he is sure possessed, madam. Why? (laughs) What's the matter? Does he rave? No, madam. He does nothing but smile. Your ladyship were best to have some guard about you. If he come, for sure, the man is tainted in his wits. Oh, call him. Hither. Exit, Maria. If I am as mad as he, if sad and merry madness equal be. Re-enter Maria with Malvolio. How now, Malvolio? Sweet lady. Ho, ho. Smilest thou? I send for thee upon a sad occasion. Sad, lady? I could be sad. This does make some obstruction in the blood, this cross-gartering. But what of that? (laughs) If it please the eye of one, it is with me as the very true sign it is. Please one and please all. What? How dost thou, man? What is the matter with thee? Not black in my mind, though yellow in my legs. It did come to his hands, and command shall be executed. I think we do know the sweet Roman hand. Wilt thou go to bed, Malvolio? To bed? Aye, sweetheart, and I'll come to thee. God comfort thee. Why dost thou smile so and kiss thy hand so oft? How do you, Malvolio? At your request, yes, nightingales answer Dawes. Why appear you with this ridiculous boldness before my lady? Be not afraid of greatness, t'was well writ. What meanest thou by that, Malvolio? Some are born great. (laughs) 
some achieve greatness. What say is that? Some have greatness thrust upon them. Heaven restore thee. Remember who commanded thy yellow stockings and thy yellow wished stockings. to see thee cross gartered. Cross gartered. Do thou art made if thou desirest to be so. Am, am if I not, let made. me see thee a steward still. <gasps> Why, this is. Very midsummer madness. Enter servant. The young gentleman at the Count Racino's is returned. I could hardly entreat him back. He attends your ladyship's pleasure. I'll come to him. Exit servant. Good Maria. Ooh, let this fellow be looked to. Where's my cousin Toby? Let some of my people have special care of him. I would not have him miscarry for the half of my dowry. Exeunt Olivia Maria. Oh, ho. Do you come near me now? No worse man than Sir Toby to look to me. This concurs directly with the letter. She sends him on purpose that I may appear stubborn to him, for she incites me to that in the letter. Cast thy humble slough, says she, be opposite with a kinsman, surly with servants. Let thy tongue tang with arguments of state. Put thyself into the trick of singularity and consequently sets down the matter how as a sad face, a reverend carriage, a slow tongue in the habit of some sir of note and so forth. I have limed her. But it is Jove's doing, and Jove makes me thankful. And when she went away, now let this fellow be looked to. Fellow, not Malvolio, nor after my degree, but fellow. Why, everything adheres together. That no dram of a scruple, no scruple of a scruple, no obstacle, no incredulous or unsafe circumstance. What can be said? Nothing that can be can come between me and the full prospect of my hopes. Well, Jove, not I, is the doer of this, and he is to be thanked. Re-enter Maria with Sir Toby Belch and Fabian. Which way is he in the name of sanctity? If all the devils of hell be drawn in little and Legion himself possessed him, yet I'll speak to him. Here he is, here he is. How is't with you, sir? How is't with you, man? Go off. I discard you. Let me enjoy my private. Go off. Whoa, how hollow the fiend speaks within him. Did not I tell you? Sir Toby, my lady prays you to have a care of him. Aha, does she so? Go to peace. Peace. We must deal gently with him. <clears throat> Let me alone. Uh, how do you, Malvolio? How is it with you? What, man? Defy the devil. Consider he's an enemy to mankind. Do you know what you say? 
law you and you speak ill of the devil how he takes it to heart pray god he be not bewitched carry his water to the wise woman mary and it shall be done tomorrow morning if i live my lady would not lose him for more than i'll say how now mistress oh lord prithee hold thy peace this is not the way do you not see you move him let me alone with him no way but gentleness gently gently the fiend is rough and will not be roughly used why how now my cock? how dost thou chuck sir ay biddy come with me what man tis not for gravity to play at cherry pit with satan hang him foul collier Get him to say his prayers, good Sir Toby. Get him to pray. (laughs) My prayers, minx. No, I warrant you. He will not hear of godliness. Go hang yourselves all. Your idle, shallow things. I am not of your element. You shall know more hereafter. Is it possible? (laughs) Is it possible? If this were played upon a stage now, I could condemn it as an improbable fiction. His very genius hath taken the infection of the device, man. (laughs) Nay, pursue him now, lest the device take air and taint. Why, we shall make him mad indeed. Ugh, the house will be the quieter. Come, we'll have him in a dark room and bound. My niece is already in the belief that he's mad. We may carry it thus for our pleasure and his penance till our very pastime, tired out of breath, prompt us to have mercy on him, at which time we will bring the device to the bar and crown thee for finder of madmen. (laughs) But see, but see. Enter Sir Andrew. More matter for a May morning. Here's the challenge. Read it. Warrant there's vinegar and pepper and... So saucy. Ah, yes, I warrant him. They do, but read. Give me. Youth, whatsoever thou art, thou art but a scurvy fellow. Good and valiant. Wonder not, nor admire not in thy mind, why I do call thee so, for I will show thee no reason for it. A good note, that keeps you from the blow of the law. Thou comest to the Lady Olivia, and in my sight she uses thee kindly, but thou liest in thy throat. That is not the matter I challenge thee for. Very brief, and to exceeding good sense, less. I will waylay thee going home, where if it be thy chance to kill me... Good, good. Thou killest me like a rogue and a villain. Still you keep on the windy side of the law, good. Fare thee well, and... God have mercy upon one of our souls. He may have mercy upon mine, 
but my hope is better, and so look to thyself. Thy friend, as thou usest him, and thy sworn enemy, Andrew Aguecheek. If this letter move him not, his legs cannot. I'll give it him. Mm-hmm. You may have very fit occasion for it. He is now in some commerce with my lady and will by and by depart. Go, Sir Andrew. Uh, scout me for him at the corner of the orchard like a bum bailey. So soon as ever thou seest him, uh, draw. And as thou drawst, swear horrible. For it comes to pass oft that a uh, terrible oath with a swaggering accent sharply twanged off, gives manhood more approbation than ever proof itself would have earned him. Away! Nay, let me alone for swearing. Exit. Now will I not deliver his letter. For the behavior of the young gentleman gives him out to be of good capacity in breeding. His employment between his lord and my niece confirms no less. Therefore, this letter, being so excellently ignorant, will breed no terror in the youth. He will find it comes from a clodpole. But, sir, I will deliver his challenge by word of mouth. Set upon Aguecheek a notable report of valor, and drive the gentleman, as I know his youth will aptly receive it, into a most hideous opinion of his rage, skill, fury, and impetuosity. (laughs) This will so fright them both that they will kill another by the look, like cockatrices. Re-enter Olivia with Viola. Here he comes with your niece. Give them way till he take leave, and presently after them. I will meditate the while upon some horrid message for a challenge. Exunt to Toby Belts, Fabian, and Mariah. <laughs> I have said too much unto a heart of stone, and laid my honor to uncarry out this Something in me that reproves my fault, but such a headstrong, potent fault it is that it but mocks reproof. With the same behavior that your passion bears goes on my master's grief. Here, wear this jewel for me. Tis my picture. Refuse it not. It hath no tongue to vex you, and I beseech you come again tomorrow. What shall you ask of me that I'll deny, that honor saved may upon asking give? Nothing but this, your true love for my master. How with mine honor may I give him that which I have given to you? I will acquit you. Well, come again tomorrow. Fare thee well, and a fiend like thee might bear my soul to hell. Exit. Re-enter Sir Toby Belch and Fabian. 
Gentlemen, God save thee. And you, sir. That defense thou hast, betake thee to it. Of what nature the wrongs are thou hast done him, I know not. But thy interceptor, full of despite, bloody as the hunter, attends thee at the orchard end. Dismount thy tuck, be ere in thy preparation, for thy assailant is quick, skillful, and deadly. You mistake, sir. I am sure no man hath any quarrel to me. My remembrance is very free and clear from any image of offense done to man. You'll find it otherwise, I assure you. Therefore, if you hold your life at any price, betake you to your guard. For your opposite hath in him what youth Strength, skill, and wrath can furnish man with all. I pray you, sir, what is he? He is knight, dubbed with unhatched rapier and on carpet consideration. But he is a devil in private brawl. Souls and bodies hath he divorced thrice. And, and his incensement at this moment is so implacable that satisfaction can be none but by pangs of death and sepulchre. Hobnob is his word. Give it or take it. I will return again into the house and desire more conduct of the lady. I am no fighter. I have heard of some kind of men that put quarrels purposely on others to taste their valor. Like this is a man of that quirk? Sir, no. His indignation derives itself out of a very competent injury. Uh, therefore, get you on and give him his desire. Back you shall not to the house, unless you undertake that with me, which with as much safety as you might answer him. Therefore, on your, on, on, or strip your sword stark naked, for metal you must, that's certain, or forswear to wear iron about you. This is as uncivil as strange. I beseech you, do me this courteous office as to know of the night what my offense to him is. It is something of my negligence, nothing of my purpose. I will do so. Signor Fabian, uh, stay you by this gentleman. Till my return? Exit. Pray, sir, what know you of this matter? I know the knight is incensed against you, even to a mortal abitrement, but nothing of the circumstance more. I beseech you, what manner of man is he? Nothing of that wonderful promise to read him by his form, as you are like to find him in the proof of his valor. He is indeed, sir, the most skillful, bloody, and fatal opposite that you could possibly have found in any part of Illyria. Will you walk towards him? I will make your peace with him, if I can. Oh, I shall be much bound to you for it. I am one that had rather go with priests than Sir Knight. I care not who knows much of my mettle. Exunt. Re-enter Sir Toby Belch, 
with Sir Andrew. And he is a very devil. I have not seen such a Firago. I had a pass with him, rapier, scabbard, and all, and he gives me the stuck in with such a mortal motion that it is inevitable. And, and on the answer, he pays you as surely as your feet hit the ground, they step on. They say he has been fencer to the Sophie. Aunt, I'll not meddle with him. Aye, but he will not be pacified. Fabian can scarce hold him yonder. Plague, aunt. And I thought he had been valiant and so cunning in fence. I'd have seen him damned ere I'd have challenged him. Let him the matter slip, and I'll give him my horse. Great Capulet. I'll make the motion. Stand here. Make a good show, aunt. And this shall end without the perdition of souls. Mary, I'll ride your horse as well as I ride you. (laughs) Re-enter Fabian and Viola. To Fabian. I have his horse to take up the quarrel. I have persuaded him the youth's a devil. He is as horribly conceited of him, and pants and looks pale as if a bear were at his heels. There's no remedy, sir. He will fight with you for oath's sake. Mary, he hath better bethought him of his quarrel, and he finds that now scarce to be worth talking of. Therefore, draw. For the supportance of his vow, he protests he will not hurt you. Pray God defend me. A little thing would make me tell how much I lack of a man. Give ground if you see him furious. Come, Sir Andrew. There's no remedy. The gentleman will, for his honor's sake, have one bout with you. He cannot, by the duello, avoid it. But he has promised me, as he is a gentleman and a soldier, he will not hurt you. Come on, to it. God, he keep his oath. I do assure you, tis against my will. They draw. Enter Antonio. Put up your sword. If this young gentleman have done offense, I take the fault on me. If you do offend him, I for him defy you. You, sir? Why? What are you? One, sir, that for his love dares yet do more than you have heard him brag to you he will. Nate, if you be an undertaker, I am here for you. They draw... Enter officers! Oh, good Sir Toby, hold. Here come the officers. I'll be with you anon. Hey, sir, put up your sword, if you please. Mary, will I, sir? And for that, I promise you, I'll be as good as my word. He will bear you easily and reigns well. This is the man. Do thy office. Antonio, I arrest thee at the suit of Count Orsino. I, you do mistake me, sir. No, sir. No, Jot. I know your favor well, though now you have no sea cap on your head. Take him away. He knows I know him well. I must obey. This comes with seeking you. But there's no remedy. (laughs) I shall answer it. What will you do now my necessity makes me to ask you for my purse? It grieves me much more for what I cannot do for you than what befalls myself. You stand amazed. 
to be of comfort. Come, sir, away. I, I must entreat you of some of that money. But money, sir, for the fair kindness you have showed me here, in part being prompted by your present trouble out of my lean and low ability, I'll lend you some. My, my having is not much. I'll make division my present with you. Here, there's half my coffer. Will you deny me now? It's possible that my deserts to you can lack persuasion. Do not tempt my misery, lest that it make me so unsound a man as to upbraid you with those kindnesses that I have done for you. I know of none, nor know I you by voice or any feature. I hate ingratitude more in a man than lying, vainness, babbling, drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. No, heavens defend heavens themselves. Come, sir, I pray you. Go. Let, let, let me speak but a little. <sighs> this youth that you see here, I snatched one half out of the jaws of death, relieved him with such sanctity of love, and to his image, which methought did promise most venerable worth, did I devotion. What's that to us? The time goes by. Away. Oh, how vile an idol proves this god. Thou hast, Sebastian, done good feature shame. In nature, there's no blemish but the mind. None can be called deformed but the unkind. Virtue is beauty, but the beauteous evil are empty trunks or flourished by the devil. The, the man grows mad. Away with him. Come, come, sir. Lead me on. Exit with officers. He thinks his words do from such passion fly that he believes himself. So do not I. Oh, prove true imagination. Oh, prove true that I, dear brother, be now taken for you. Come hither, knight. Come hither, Fabian. We'll whisper or a couplet or two of most sage saws. Named Sebastian. I, my brother, know yet living in my glass, even such and so in favor was my brother, and he went still in this fashion. Color, ornament for him I imitate. Oh, if it prove true, tempests are kind, and salt waves fresh in love. Exit. A very dishonest, paltry boy. And more a coward than a hare. His dishonesty appears in leaving his friend here in necessity and denying him, and for his cowardship, ask Fabian. A coward, a most devout coward, religious in it. Slid. I'll after him and beat him. Uh, do. Cuff him soundly, uh, but never draw thy sword. And I do not. Come. Let's see the event. I dare lay any money. It will be nothing yet. <laughs> Exunt. Act four. Scene one. Before Olivia's house. Enter Sebastian and Clown. Will you make me believe that I am not sent for you? 
Go to. Go to, thou art a foolish fellow. Let me be clear of thee. Well held out, it faith. No, I do not know you, nor I am not sent to you by my lady to bid you come speak to her, nor your name is not Master Cesario, nor this is not my nose neither. Nothing that is so is so. I prithee, vent thy folly somewhere else. Thou knowest not me. Vent my folly? He has heard that word of some great man and now applies it to a fool. Vent my folly. I'm afraid this great lubber, the world, will prove a cockney. I prithee now, ungird thy strangeness and tell me what I shall vent to my lady. Shall I vent to her that thou art coming? I prithee, foolish Greek, depart from me. Look, look, there's, there's money for thee. If you tarry longer, I shall give you worse payment. By my troth, thou hast an open hand. These wise men that give fools money get themselves a good report. After 14 years purchase. Enter Sir Andrew, Sir Toby Belch, and Fabian. Now, sir, have I met you again? There's for you. Why, there's for thee. And there, and there. Are all the people mad? Hold, sir, or I'll throw your dagger over the house. This will I tell my lady straight. I would not be in some of your coats for two pence. Come on, sir. Hold. Nay, let him alone. I'll go another way to work with him. I'll have an action of bowdery against him, if there be any law in Illyria. Though I stuck him first, yet it's no matter for that. Let go thy hand. Come, sir, I will not let you go. Come, my young soldier, put up your iron. You are... Well fleshed, come on. I will be free from thee. What wouldst thou now? If thou darest tempt me further, draw thy sword. What? What? Nay, then I must have an ounce or two of this malapert blood from you. Interolibia. Hold, Toby, on thy life I charge thee, hold. Madam. Will it ever be thus? Ungracious wretch, fit for the mountains and the barbarous caves, where manners were ne'er preached. Out of my sight. Be not offended, dear Cesario. Rudest be. Be gone. Exeunt Sir Toby Belch, Sir Andrew, and Fabian. I prithee, gentle friend, let thy fair wisdom not thy passion sway in this uncivil and thou unjust extent against thy peace. Go with me to my house and hear thou there how many fruitless pranks this ruffian hath botched up that thou thereby mayst smile at this. <laughs> thou shalt not choose to go. Thou shalt not choose but go. Do not deny be shrew his soul for me. He once he started one poor heart of mine in thee. What relish is in this? How, how runs the stream? Or, I'm, or I am mad, or else this is a dream. Let fancy still my sense in Lethe steep, if it be thus to dream. Still, let me sleep. Nay, come, I prithee. Would thou be ruled by me? Madam, I, I, I will. 
Oh, say so. And so be. Exunt, scene two, Olivia's house. Enter Maria and Clown. Nay, I prithee, put on this gown and this beard. Make him believe thou art Sir Topas the curate. Do it quickly. I'll call Sir Toby the whilst. Exit. Well, I'll put it on, and I will dissemble myself in it. And I would I were the first that ever dissembled in such a gown. I am not tall enough to become the function well, nor lean enough to be thought a good student. But to be said an honest man and a good housekeeper goes as fairly as to say a careful man and a great scholar. The competitors enter. Enter Sir Toby Belch and Maria. Mm. Jove, bless thee, Master Parson. Bonos, dear Sir Toby, for as the old hermit of Prague that never saw pen and ink very wittily said to a niece of King Gorbodoc, that that is, is. And so being I, being Master Parson, am Master Parson, for what is that but that, and is but is. To him, Sir Topas. What ho, I say? Peace in this prison? The knave counterfeits well, a good knave. Pause there. <clears throat> Sir Topas the curate, who comes to visit Malvolio the lunatic. Sir Topas. Sir Topas, good Sir Topas, go to my lady. Out, hyperbolical fiend, how vexest thou this man? Talkest thou nothing but of ladies? Well said, Master Parson. Sir Topaz, never was man thus wronged. Good Sir Topaz, do not think I am mad. They have laid me here in hideous darkness. Why, thou dishonest Satan, I call thee by the most modest terms, for I am one of those gentle ones that will use the devil himself with courtesy. Sayest thou that house is dark? As hell, Sir Topaz. Why? It hath bay windows, transparent as barricados, and the clear stores toward the south north are as lustrous as ebony. And yet complainest thou of obstruction? I am not mad, Sir Topas. I say to you, this house is dark. Madman, thou errest, I say, there is no darkness but ignorance, in which thou art more puzzled than the Egyptians in their Fog. I say this house is as dark as ignorance, though ignorance were as dark as hell, and I say there was never man thus abused. I am no more mad than you are. Make the trial of it in any constant question. What is the opinion of Pythagoras concerning wild fowl? That the soul of our grandam might happily inhabit a bird. What thinkest thou of his opinion? I think nobly of the soul, and in no way approve his opinion. Oh, fare thee well. Remain thou still in darkness, thou shalt hold the opinion of Pythagoras, ere I will allow of thy wits, and fear to kill a woodcock, lest thou dispossess the soul of thy grandam. Fare thee well. Sir Topas, Sir Topas! My most exquisite Sir Topas. Nay, I am for all waters. Thou mightst have done this without thy beard and gown. He sees thee not. To him in thine own voice, and, and bring me word how thou findest him. I, I would we were well rid of this knavery. 
if he may be conveniently delivered, I would he were, for I am now so far in offense with my niece that I cannot pursue with any safety this sport to the upshot. Come by and by to my chamber. Exune Sir Toby Belch and Maria. Mm. Hey, Robin, jolly Robin, tell me how thy lady does. Fool. My lady is unkind, purdy. Fool. I will, alas, why is she so? Fool, I say. She loves it. Who calls? Huh? Good fool. As ever thou wilt deserve well at my hand, help me to a candle and pen, ink, and paper. As I am a gentleman, I will live to be thankful to thee for it. Master Malvolio! I, good fool. Alas, sir, how fell you besides your five wits? Fool! There was never a man so notoriously abused. I am as well in my wits, fool, as thou art. But as well, then you are mad indeed, if you be no better in your wits than a fool. They have here propertied me, kept me and keep me in darkness, send ministers to me, asses, and do all they can to face me out of my wits. Advise you what you say. The minister is here. Malvolio, Malvolio, thy wits the heavens restore. Endeavor thy to thy sleep and leave thy vain bibble babble. Sir Topaz? Maintain no words with him, good fellow. Who I, sir? Not I, sir. God be with you, good Sir Topas. Merry, amen. I will, sir, I will. Fool, 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 I say. Alas, sir, be patient. What say you, sir? I am shent for speaking to you. Good fool, help me to some light and some paper. I tell thee I am as well in my wits as any man in Illyria. Well a day that you were, sir. By this hand I am. Good fool, some ink, paper, and light, and convey what I will set down to my lady. It shall advantage thee more than ever the bearing of letter did. I will help you to it. But tell me true. Are you not mad indeed, or do you but counterfeit? Believe me, I am not. I tell thee true. <laughs> Nay, I'll ne'er believe a madman till I see his brains. I will fit you light and paper and ink. Fool! All requited in the highest degree. I prithee be gone. I am gone, sir. And anon, sir, I'll be with you again in a trice. Like to the old vice, your need to sustain who with dagger of laugh and his rage and his wrath cards a hot to the devil like a mad lad. Pair thy nails, dad. Adieu, good man, devil. Exit. Scene three, Olivia's garden. Enter Sebastian. This is the heir. That is the glorious sun. This pearl she gave me, I do, I do feel and see it. And though tis wonder that enwraps me thus, yet, yet tis not madness. Where's Antonio then? I could not find him at the elephant, yet there he was. And there I found this credit that he did range the town to seek me out. His counsel now might do me golden service for though my soul disputes well with my sense that this may be some error but no madness yet doth this accident and flood of fortune so far exceed all instance all discourse that i'm ready to distrust mine eyes and wrangle with my reason that persuades me to any other trust but that i am mad or else the lady's mad yet if it were so she could not sway her house command her followers take and give back affairs and their dispatch with such a smooth, discreet, and stable bearing as I perceive she does. 
there's something in it that's deceivable. Uh, but here the lady comes. Enter Olivia and priest. Blame not this haste of mine, if you mean well. Now, go with me and with this holy man into the chantry by there, before him and underneath that consecrated roof. Plight me the full assurance of your faith, that my most jealous and too doubtful soul may live at peace. He shall conceal it, whilst you are willing it shall come to note what time we will our celebration keep according to my birth. What do you say? I'll, I'll follow this good man and go with you. And having sworn truth ever will be true. Then lead the way, good father, and heaven so shine that they may fairly note this act of mine. Exeunt. Act five, scene one. Before Olivia's house, enter Kalawan and Fabian. Now, as thou lovest me, let me see his letter. Good, Master Fabian. Grant me another request. Anything. Do not desire to see this letter. This is to give a dog and in recompense desire my dog again enter duke orsino viola curio who has not retired and lords belong you to the lady olivia friend i sir we are some of her trappings i know thee well uh, how dost thou my good fellow <laughs> truly sir the better for my foes and the worse for my friends just the contrary the better for thy friends Oh, sir, the worse. How can that be? Mary, sir, they praise me and make an ass of me. Now my foes tell me plainly I am an ass, so by my foes, sir, I profit in the knowledge of myself. But by my friends, I am abused. So that conclusions to be as kisses, if your four negatives make your two affirmatives, why then, the worse for my friends, the better for my foes. <laughs> this is excellent. By my troth, sir, no, though it please you to be one of my friends. Thou should not be the worst for me. There's gold. Oh, but that it would be double dealing, sir. I would you could make it another. Oh, you give me ill counsel. Put your grace in your pocket, sir, for this once, and let your fled, flesh and blood obey it. Well, I will be so much a sinner to be a double dealer. There's another. Primo? Secundo, tertio is a good play. And the old saying is, the third place pays for all. The triplex, sir, is a good tripping measure. Or the bells of St. Bennet, sir, may put you in mind. One, two, three. You can fool no more money out of me at this throw. If you will let your lady know I am here to speak with her and bring her along with you, it may awake my bounty further. Mary, sir, lullaby to your bounty till I come again. I go, sir, but I would not have you think that my desire of having is the sin of covetousness. But as you say, sir, let your bounty take a nap. I will awake it anon. Exit. Here comes the man, sir, that did rescue me. Enter Antonio and officers. That face of his I do remember well. 
Yet when I saw it last, it was besmeared as black as Vulcan in the smoke of war. A bobbling vessel was he captain of, for shallow draft and bulk unprizable, but with such scathful grapple did he make with the most noble bottom of our fleet that very envy in the tongue of loss cried fame and honor on him. What's the matter? Orsino, this is that Antonio that took the phoenix, and her fraught from candy. And this is he that did the tiger board when your young nephew Titus lost his leg. Here in the streets, desperate of shame and state, in private brabble did we apprehend him. It did me kindness, sir. Drew on my side, but in conclusion put strange speech upon me. I know not what twas but distraction. Notable pirate, the saltwater thief. What foolish boldness brought thee to their mercies, whom thou, in terms so bloody and so dear, hast made thine enemies? Orsino, noble sir, be pleased that I shake off these names you give me. Antonio never yet was thief or pirate, though I confess on base and ground enough Orsino's enemy. A witchcraft drew me hither. That most ingrateful boy there by your side, from the rude seas enraged and foamy mouth did I redeem. A wreck past hope he was. His life I gave him and did thereto add my love without retention or restraint. All his in dedication for his sake did I expose myself pure for his love into the danger of this adverse town drew to defend him when he was beset where being apprehended his false cunning not meaning to partake with me in danger taught him to face me out of his acquaintance and grew a 20 years removed thing while one would wink denied me my own purse, which I had recommended to his use not half an hour before. How can this be? When came he to this town? Today, my lord. And for three months before, no interim, not a minute's vacancy, both day and night, did we keep company. Enter Olivia and attendants. Here comes the countess. Now heaven walks on earth. For thee, fellow, thy words are madness. Three months this youth had tended upon me, but more of that anon. Take him aside. What would my lord but that he may not have, wherein Olivia may seem serviceable? Cesario, you do not keep promise with me. Madam? Gracious Olivia. What do you say, Cesario? Good, my lord. My lord would speak, my duty hushes me. If it be aught to the old tune, my lord, it is as fat and fulsome to mine ear as howling after music. Still so cruel. Still so constant, lord. What, to perverseness? You uncivil lady, to whose ingrate and unauspicious altars my soul the faithless offerings had breathed out that ere devotion tendered, what shall I do? Even what it pleases, my lord, that shall become him. Why should I not? 
had I the heart to do it, like to the Egyptian thief at point of death, kill what I love. A savage jealousy that sometimes savors nobly, but hear me this. Since you to non-regardance cast my faith and that I partly know the instrument that screws me from my true place in your favor, live you the marble-breasted tyrant still. But this, your minion, whom I know you love, and whom, by heaven I swear, I tender dearly. Him will I tear out of that cruel eye, where he sits crowned in his master's spite. Come, boy, with me. My thoughts are ripe in mischief. I'll sacrifice the lamb that I do love, to spite a raven's heart within a dove. And I, most jocund, apt, and willingly to do you rest, a thousand deaths would die. Where goes Cesario? After him I love. More than I love these eyes, more than my life, more by all mores than e'er I shall love wife. If I do fain, you witnesses above, punish me, my life for tainting of my love. Ah, uh, me? Detested? Who does, who do you do wrong? I beguile you not. I do not do you wrong. Hast thou forgot thyself? Is it so long? Call forth the Holy Father. Come away. Whither, my lord? Cesario, husband, stay. Husband? Aye, husband. Can he that deny? Her husband, Sirrah? No, my lord, not I. Alas, it is the baseness of thy fear that makes thee strangle thy propriety. Fear not, Cesario. Take thy fortunes up. Be that thou knowest thou art, and then thou art as great as thou that fearest. USS Enterpriest. Ah, oh, welcome, father. Father. I charge thee by thy reverence here to unfold, though lately we intended to keep in darkness what occasion now reveals before, tis ripe. What thou dost know hath newly passed between this youth and me. A contract of eternal bond of love, confirmed by mutual joinder of your hands, attested by the holy close of lips, strengthened by interchangement of your rings, and all the ceremony of this compact sealed in my function by my testimony, since when uh, my watch hath told me toward my grave I have traveled but two hours. Oh, thou dissembling cub. What wilt thou be when time hath sowed a grizzle on thy case? Or will not else thy craft so quickly grow that thine own trip shall be thine overthrow? Farewell, and take her. But direct thy feet where thou and I henceforth may never meet. My lord, I do protest. Oh, do not swear. Hold, little faith, though thou hast too much fear. Enter Sir Andrew. For the love of God, a surgeon. Send one presently to Sir Toby. Oh, what's the matter? 
He has broke my head across and given Sir Toby a bloody coxcomb too. For the love of God, your help. I had rather than 40 pound I were at home. Who has done this, Sir Andrew? The Count's gentleman, one Cesario. We took him for a coward, but he's a very devil incarnate donate. My gentleman, Cesario? Odds lifelings, here he is. You broke my head for nothing. And that, that I did, I was set on to do it by Sir Toby. Why do you speak to me? I never hurt you. You drew your sword upon me without cause, but I bespoke you fair and hurt you not. If a bloody coxcomb be a hurt, you have hurt me. I think you said nothing by a bloody coxcomb. Enter Sir Toby Belch and come. Here comes Sir Toby halting. You shall hear more, but if he had not been in drink, he would have had tickled you other gates than he did. Come now, gentlemen, how is it with you? This old one has hurt me. And there's the end on't. Sod, did see Dick's surgeon, Sod? Oh, he's drunk, Sir Toby, an hour gone. His eyes were set at eight in the morning. And he's a rogue and a passy measures pain. And I hate a drunken rogue. Away with him. Who hath made this havoc with them? I'll help you, Sir Toby, because well be dressed together. Will you help? An asshead and a coxcomb and a knave, a thin-faced knave, a gull. Get him to bed, and let his hurt be looked to. Thanks, Clown, David, Sir Toby, Belchin, and Sir Andrew. Andrew Sebastian. I am sorry, madam. I have hurt your kinsman. But had it been the brother of my blood, I must have done no less with wit and safety. Do you throw a strange regard upon me? And by that I do perceive it has offended you. Pardon me, sweet one, even for the vows we made each other but so late ago. One face, one voice, one habit, and two persons. A natural perspective that is and is not. Antonio! Oh, my dear Antonio, how have the hours racked and tortured me since I have lost thee? Sebastian, are you? Fearest thou that, Antonio? How? How have you made division of yourself? An apple cleft in two is not more twin than these two creatures, which is Sebastian. Most wonderful. Do I stand there? I never had a brother, nor can there be that deity in my nature of here and everywhere. I had a sister whom the blind waves and surges have devoured. Of charity, what, what kin are you to me? What countryman? What name? What parentage? Of Messaline. Sebastian was my father. Such a Sebastian was my brother, too. Somewhat he suited to his watery tomb. If spirits can assume both form and suit, you come to fright us. A spirit I am indeed, but I am in that dimension grossly clad, which from the womb I did participate. Were you a woman, as the rest goes even, I should my tears let fall upon your cheek and say, thrice welcome, drowned Vi Viola. 
My father had a mole upon his brow. And so had mine. And died that day when Viola, her birth, had numbered 13 years. Oh, that record is lively in my soul. He finished indeed his mortal act that day that made my sister 13 years. If nothing lets to make us happy both, but this my masculine usurped attire, do not embrace me till each circumstance of place, time, fortune, do cohere and jump that I am Viola. Which to confirm, I'll bring you to a captain in this town where lie my maiden weeds, by whose gentle help I was preserved to serve this noble count. All the occurrence of my fortune since hath been between this lady and my lord. So comes it, lady, you have been mistook, but nature to her bias drew in that. You would have been contracted to a maid, nor are you therein by my life deceived. You are betrothed both to a maid and man. Be not amazed. Right noble is his blood. If this be so, as yet the glass seems true, I shall have share in this most happy wreck. Boy, thou hast said to me a thousand times that thou never shouldst love woman like to me. And all those sayings will I overswear. And those swearings keep as true in soul as doth that orbed continent the fire that severs day from night. Give me thy hand. And let me see thee in thy woman's weeds. The captain that did bring me first on shore hath my maid's garments. He, upon some action, is now in durance at Malvolio's suit, a gentleman and follower of my lady's. He shall enlarge them. Fetch Malvolio hither. And yet, alas, now I remember me. They say, poor gentleman, he's much distract. We enter a crowd with a letter, et Fabien. A most extracting frenzy of mine own from my remembrance clearly banished his. How does he, sirrah? Truly, madam, he holds Beelzebub at the stave's end as well as a man in his case may do. Hath he writ a letter to you? I should have given to you today morning, but as a madman's epistles are no gospels, and so it skills not much when they are delivered. Open it and read it. Look then to be well edified when the fool delivers the madman. <clears throat> By the Lord, madam. How now? Art thou mad? No, madam. I do but read madness, and your ladyship will have it as it ought to be. You must allow box. Prithee, read the, the right wits. And so I do, madonna. But to read his right wits is to read thus. Therefore, perpend my princess and give ear. Read it you, Sarah. <laughs> uh, by the Lord, madam, you wrong me and the world shall know it. Though you have put me into darkness and given your drunken cousin rule over me, yet have I the benefit of my senses as well as your ladyship. I have your own letter that induced me to the semblance I put on, with the which I doubt not but to do myself much right or you much shame. Think of me as you please. I leave my duty a little unthought of and speak out of my injury. The madly used Malvolio. 
Did he write this? Hi, madam. This savors not much of distraction. See him delivered. Fabian, bring him hither. Exit, Fabia. Uh, my lord, so please you. These things further thought on. To think me as well a sister as a wife? One day shall crown the alliance on it, so please you, here at my house and at my proper cost. Madam, I am most apt to embrace your offer. Your master quits you, and for your service done him so much against the metal of your sex, so far beneath your soft and tender breeding. And since you called me master for so long, here is my hand. You shall from this time be your master's mistress. A sister! You are she. Re-enter Fabia with Malvolio. Is this the madman? Aye, my lord, this same. How now, Malvolio? Madam, you have done me wrong, notorious wrong. Have I, Malvolio? No. Lady, you have. Pray you peruse that letter. You must not now deny it is your hand. Write from it, if you can, in hand or phrase, or, or say tis not your seal, nor your invention. You can say none of this. Well, grant it then, and tell me, in the modesty of honor, why you have given me such clear lights of favor. Bad me come smiling and cross-garter to you to put on yellow stockings and to frown upon Sir Toby and the lighter people, and acting this in an obedient hope. Why have you suffered me to be imprisoned, kept in a dark house, visited by the priest, and made the most notorious geck and gull that e'er invention played on? Tell me why! Alas, Malvolio, this is not my writing. Though, I confess, much like the character, but out of question tis Mariah's hand. And now I do bethink me, it was she first told me thou wast mad, then came in smiling, and in such forms were here, were presupposed upon thee in the letter. Prithee, be content, this practice hath most shrewdly passed upon thee, but when we know the grounds and authors of it, thou shalt be both plaintiff and the judge of thine own cause. Um, good madam, hear me speak, and let no quarrel nor no brawl to come taint the condition of this present hour which I have wondered at. In hope it shall not. Most freely I confess, Myself and Toby set this device against Malvolio here, upon some stubborn and uncourteous parts we had conceived against him. Mariah writ the letter at Sir Toby's great importance. In recompense thereof he hath married her. Um, how with a sportful malice it was followed may rather pluck on laughter than revenge. If that the injuries be justly weighed that have on both sides past. Alas, poor fool, how they have baffled thee. Why? Some are born great, 
Some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrown upon them. I was one, sir, in this interlude. One, sir, Topus, sir. But that's all one. By the Lord, fool, I am not mad. But do you remember? Madam, why laugh you at such a barren rascal? And you smile not, he's gagged. And thus, the whirly gig of time brings in his revenges. I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you. Exit. He hath been most notoriously abused. Pursue him and entreat him to a peace. He hath not told us of the captain yet. When that is known and golden time convince, a solemn combination shall be made of our dear souls. Meantime, sweet sister, we will not part from hence. Cesario, come, for so you shall be while you are a man. But when in other habits you are seen, Orsino's mistress and his fancy's queen. Exeunt all, except Talawan. When that I was, and a little tiny boy, with hey, ho, the wind and the rain, a foolish thing was but a toy, for the rain it raineth every day. But when I came to man's estate with hey, ho, the wind and the rain, against knaves and thieves men shut their gate, for the rain it raineth every day. But when I came, alas, to wive with hey, ho, the wind and the rain, by swaggering could I never thrive, for the rain it raineth every day. But when I came into my beds with hey, ho, the wind and the rain, with tosspots still had drunken heads, for the rain it raineth every day. A great while ago the world begun with hey, ho, the wind and the rain. But that's all one. Our play is done. And we'll strive to please you every day. Exit. Fini. Applause.